So tonight uh, we are going to be looking at the du'as of Nabi Yusuf salam, Nabi Ayyub salam, and Nabi Yunus salam. And inshallah ta'ala in the next session uh, we will begin and spend maybe a few sessions on the du'as of Sayyidina Musa salam. The two du'as of Nabi Yusuf are both in Surah Yusuf, which is Surah 12, and verses 33 and 101. Two du'as of Sayyidina Ayyub the first is in Surah 21, Surah Al-Anbiya, verse number 83, and the second is in Surah Saad, Surah 38, verse 41. And then finally is the du'a of Nabi Yunus salam, which is also in Surah Al-Anbiya, Surah 21, verse 87. So first now we turn to the du'as of Sayyidina Yusuf salam. So I think again all of you, almost all of you would be very familiar with the story of Nabi Yusuf salam. There's a whole surah on this. We have taught this surah a number of times and at least one or maybe two of those recordings are on the website. So you can listen to the tafsir of the whole surah in detail. Tonight we're just going to be looking at these two particular du'as. So the first du'a is in uh, verse number 33, surah number 12. Nabi Yusuf salam, he made du'a to Allah Ta'ala. Right, so this is the instant when, uh, you know, Nabi Yusuf was falsely accused uh, and uh, by the woman, the wife of the ruler who was also uh, the place where they were his caretakers, he was living in their home. And so the ruler decided that it would be best to place Nabi Yusuf in prison. Right, uh, and he didn't. He was not putting him in prison because he thought he was guilty. He knew he was innocent, but just to take him out of society, to take him out uh, of the mind and hearts of these women who were trying to seduce him. And then she presented him. She presented Nabi Yusuf in front of her friends, and they also fell uh, awestruck in, by his beauty. And then there was all this tumultuous talk going around so to put an end to this the ruler came up decided to place uh, Nabi uh, Yusuf in prison alright now interestingly uh, in the verse previous to this the woman uh, she had threatened uh, Nabi Yusuf that if he does not uh, you know do what I want him to do, he will be imprisoned. All right? So let's go back, actually. Just let's do that line, the last uh, phrase in part of 32. So by the way, it depends on what type of mushaf, what type of script and writing uh, copy of Quran Karim you have. But you will maybe understand now, having done enough of translation and commentary with us so far, that and I explained this once before, that there are the verse breaks, the ayah breaks, then within the ayah sometimes there is a phrase or a sentence that is completed. And in Arabic there's no punctuation in that sense of full stop or period or semicolon. So you will sometimes find these markings, removes inside the Musaf. So for example, there's a ta, right? So I'm doing that part of verse 32, which is the second uh, the third rather a segment in it and you can see if you have a copy that has this this uh, notation in it uh, the two small little thaws 
And if Nabi Yusuf, if he does not do what I, the woman, is saying, what I command him, surely, certainly, he will be imprisoned. And he will be amongst those who are diminished in rank, who are humiliated, right? who are belittled and dishonored. Okay, now Nabi Yusuf makes dua. All. Nabi Yusuf calls out to his, makes dua and says, Rabbi sijnu ahambu ilayya mimma yad'unani ilay. That, oh my Rabb, prison, jail, ahabu. I mean, this is a very strong word. He could have said, khairunli, it's better for me. No, ahabu is more beloved to me. And why? So Nabi Yusuf said this to negate the fact that normally, if a woman is soliciting you, it would be beloved to you. It would be desirous to you. It would be appealing to you to give in to that. So Nabi Yusuf chose this word to negate any and all inclination and desire for her. And to show that my inclination and desire for prison, as opposed to her, would be so much, not just khairunli, or mahbub, would be ahabu, would be the most beloved, more beloved ilayya to me, mimma, than all of that which yad'unani, that she is inviting and enticing me ilayhi towards. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And O oh Allah Ta'ala, if you, Allah Ta'ala, do not avert from me, they're plotting, they're scheming, then I will incline towards them, and I will become from amongst the ignorant. Alright. So, now, Sayyidina Yusuf there was this is the expression of his humility alright this is why I translated the first part for you to show you there is no element in him as some have mistakenly interpreted of lust of haram lust in his heart when he makes statements like this this is his humility in other words that if you don't Otherwise, Nabi Yusuf Sam, technically, if you know the story, he himself averted himself away from her. He ran away from her. She grabbed his shirt from the back, right? He's not interested in any of the other women that she gathered. But he's not attributing it to himself. He's attributing it to Allah Subhanahu and saying, "If you, out of your rahmah and karam and your hidayah, don't continue to avert me from them." then I will incline towards them. Not because he has an inclination, but he's not attributing it to his own taqwa, his own isma. And also there's, you know, the ulama have discussed this, that whether Nabi Yusuf at this moment even fully realized he was a Nabi. Right? And if he did not fully realize he was a Nabi, he wouldn't fully realize that he's pure, immaculate, pristine, free from sin, he's masum. So this would be again, this why I told you, the humanity. So the Anbiya Alayhim mind they had a humanity in them. And that humanity is what enabled them to have their ubudiyya, their servanthood and slavehood and submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
means I'll be of those who are ignorant. So the meaning the ulama have taken from this is one meaning of jahl is not to know something, right? To not have knowledge. A second meaning of jahl, however, is to know but not to practice what you know. That's even more foolish, right? So if somebody tells you, oh, I didn't know, we say, okay, well, you didn't know. Okay, that's an excuse. Somebody tells you, I knew 100%, but I still didn't do it. Well, that's even worse. So it's in that sense that Nabi Yusuf Islam is saying, right? That even though I know that it is wrong, I will incline towards them. So therefore, if I practice something, even though I know it, I'll be from the jahilin. Why in the world would I practice it? Is if Allah Ta'ala, if you don't avert me from them. Why is that? Because my ability to avert myself from them, I attributed that to you, and it was only you who protected me from them. So I hope this is clear, because unfortunately a lot of people, they misunderstand, and they twist Nabi Yusuf to make him sound too human, right? Alhamdulillah, he was a Nabi, he was masoom, he was free from sinful feelings and desires. And here again, as you saw in several places earlier, the answer comes immediately. Fastajabullahu Rabbuhu. His Rabb answered and accepted and answered his prayer in acceptance. Fasarafa anhu. So the same word. But look, then Allah Ta'ala says it a different way. So Allah doesn't say that, and Allah Ta'ala averted him, Yusuf from then. Rather, Allah Ta'ala says, and Allah Ta'ala averted their plotting from him. So here Allah Ta'ala is attesting to the ismat and the purity and immaculateness, immaculate nature of Nabi Yusuf that he has no inclination or potential in him, that he needs to be averted from them. Rather, Allah Ta'ala averts their plotting from him, in who indeed he, he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who was Sami'ul Alim, he is all hearing and all knowing. So this is the Dua of Nabi Yunus, Yusuf I hope I was I wasn't saying Yunus, Yusuf, Yusuf, Nabi Yusuf And all this time, but I mean, and what we learn from this Dua is that even if we are successfully staying away from any sin, we should never attribute it to any ability or might or power or proficiency or accomplishment in our own self. We should keep turning to Allah Ta'ala and begging Allah Ta'ala that Ya Allah, you keep turning me away from that sin, otherwise I will incline towards it and I will be from the jahileen, those who commit sin despite knowing that they should not. Alright? Okay. Final, and then the, the second of Nabi Yusuf Islam, uh, same Surah Surah 12, Surah Yusuf, verse 101. So this is uh, towards the end, uh, really at the end basically of the story when all of, you know, everything gets resolved and he's reunited with his parents and with his youngest brother and then they all make the sajda towards him uh, and uh, then he tells his father who was also a prophet that all of this uh, in Nabi Yaqub that this is the interpretation of the dream which was the beginning of the surah all of this you can learn from any scholar of tafsir or we have also done the tafsir of this entire surah on the website Okay, but in verse 101 then, uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah, uh, Sayyidina Yud Nabi Yusuf makes dua to Allah Ta'ala after all of this. Now it's interesting because 
you know, it's really at the end of a whole narrative, the end of a whole long sequence of events that Nabi Yusuf had to go to. So this is a very sort of climactic dua. Rabbi, oh my that you have granted me a part of dominion, sovereignty, kingship, rule. And you, if you remember the story that Nabi Yusuf's son was made, in a sense, a minister of finance and economy, so to speak, of his place. So number one, you bestowed upon me some element of rule. Number two, And you taught me some aspect of the interpretation of dreams. And now Nabi Yusuf is invoking upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Fatir Allah ta'ala was the original creator of all of the stratified heavenly realms on the different layers of the universe, well, Ard and the earth. Now this is the real uh, beautiful part, alright? Because we can't say the first part. Right? Okay? So we will, because we are not Nabi Yusuf, this didn't happen to us, that Allah Ta'ala gave us kingship, and He taught us in part, part of kingship, and part of the prejudice. So for us it will be, Rabbi, Fatir as-Samawati wal-Ard, Anta waliyi fid-dunya, that you are my wali, you are my friend, my protector, my guardian fid-dunya, in this world, wal-akhirah, and in the hereafter, tawaffani muslima. So look at the humility of Nabi Yusuf, a.s. He's saying that Allah Ta'ala, after all this, so he knows, he's saying much more than he's saying, put it that way. After his whole story, obviously he knows in his heart that Allah Ta'ala guided him throughout and rescued him finally out of all of the difficulty he had. And Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon him nabuwa, prophethood. And Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon him izzat and honor and dignity and kingship. And Allah Ta'ala united him again with his parents and brothers. And Allah Ta'ala taught some of the interpretation of dreams. All of these things. But what's his worry? Tawaffani muslima. But just grant me death in a state that I am in submission and obedience to you. Grant me death in a state that I am Muslim. I am in a state of Islam. Allahu Akbar. So this was the desire of the Anbiya. Even when they were given Nabuwa, they were given Mulk, they were given Izza, they were given everything. They were giving all that Allah Ta'ala ever gave them. But still their ultimate desire was what? To be the servants and slaves of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala join me and unite me and include me and connect me with the virtuous uh, believers and your righteous slaves. Salihin. To al-hikni bis-salihin means in the akhirah. Right? Grant me the Jannat in the place of the Anbiya, Mursaleen, Siddiqeen, Shuhada, Salihin. Something we mentioned to you in the Tafsir series uh, a couple of nights ago. So this is another beautiful dua of Nabi Yusuf and also teaches us what is the core thing that so when we know what the prophets deeply mind deeply desired we know what it is human to desire because again the prophets are the ultimate exemplars of humanity so it's human to desire to die in a state of submission and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's human to wish that in, in the eternal afterlife that Allah ta'ala connect and join a person with the salihin, with the virtuous and righteous believers and servants and slaves. These were the two du'as of Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. 
Then comes the two du'as of Nabi Ayyub salam. So many of you would remember the core aspect of his story that he was afflicted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a great difficulty and illness, right? Uh, a severe illness. And you know, there's no uh, verse that mentions exactly what disease affected Nabi Ayyub salam. And it's actually not mentioned in the hadith as well of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All the narrations that talk about the type of illness and extent of illness, they all come from a category of reports that in our deen are called Israeliyat, means that some of the early Ahli Kitab Sahabi converts to Islam shared with the Sahabi Kram and Tabin uh, some of the teachings of the Torah and Injil, and those reports are known as Israeliyat. And so anything we know about the illness, for example, it being a skin disease, right? Uh, that's actually not mentioned anywhere in the Quran or anywhere in the Hadith. So let's just leave it then unstipulated but we do know that Nabi Ayyub was afflicted with a severe illness that caused severe adversity loss to him alright uh, and he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa wanted Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu to know the dua that and I should mention that earlier about Nabi Yusuf salam uh, the same thing. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted the Prophet first, then the Sahabi Karam, then the whole Ummah to know these du'as, to make these du'as, to feel these du'as, to be guided by the great examples that the earlier Prophets mind sent. So this is uh, Surah Al-Anbiya, Surah 21, verse 83. And remember Ayyub when he called out and supplicated to his Rabb, saying what? Anni masani dhurru wa anta arhamur rahimin. That indeed me, a great dhur, a tremendous difficulty, adversity, calamity in the form of illness, masani has afflicted me. Wa anta and you, Arhamur Rahimin, you are the most merciful of the ones who make, who are the most merciful of those who show mercy. Allahu Akbar. So this is the jeep. So here, Nabi Yubalism style of making dua is different. He didn't ask Allah Ta'ala and cure me, shower your mercy on me. He just said, Anni, me, indeed me, I, I'm the person, that a tremendous adversity, difficulty has afflicted and overwhelmed me. Wa anta and you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you, arhamur rahimin, you are the most merciful of those who show mercy. So there's also dua for us to use if we are faced with any severe setback, difficulty, failure, opposition, trial, tribulation, fitna, maybe illness, maybe financial, maybe personal, maybe spiritual, maybe crisis of the nafs. We can make this dua. What dua? We just say, you can add some word, Allahumma, or say, Rabbi, Anni masani dhurru wa antar hamar rahimin. And then again, as I've shown you so often, immediately after the jawab. Now this is also giving a tasalli to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Sahaba and the Ummah that Allah Ta'ala answers du'as and we did that for you in the tafsir series earlier. Allah says that. They call upon me, Astajib lukum. I will reply, and the same words are being used here. Fastajabna luhu. 
فَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِ مِنْ ذُرْ And we answered in acceptance His call and supplication to us. فَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِ مِنْ ذُرْ And we removed, and we can say lifted, alleviated all that was afflicting him from ذُرْ from every difficulty, calamity, adversity, illness. وَأَتَيْنَاهُ أَهْلُهُ And we bestowed upon him his family وَمِثْلُهُمْ مَعْهُمْ And their likeness thereof رَحْمَةً مِنْ إِنْدِنَا وَذِكْرَ لِلْآبِدِينَ As a merciful as a mercy, love, and compassion from our behalf, and as a zikra, as a sign of remembrance, and to take heed from, for who? Lil-abidin, for those who are worshippers, who deeply worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does this mean? It means Allah ta'ala, and maybe it means Allah ta'ala returned his original lost, the family and children that were lost to him, or that Allah ta'ala granted him a new family, or both, or that his numbers of the family were doubled afterwards, Right? Uh, all of these are possibilities uh, mentioned here. Okay. So this is the dua. The second dua of Nabi Yubal Salam uh, is in Surah Sa'ad. Surah Sa'ad, which is Surah number uh, 38. And this is verse 41. وَذْكُرْ Ayuba, And remember our Abd, our slave Ayub. And why? Uh, is being specifically mentioned as Abd is because he bore patiently in slavehood and submission the difficulty that Allah Ta'ala placed him in Ayuba, Nabi Ibn Idnada Rabbahu when he called upon his Rabb Anni Masani okay the same two first two words are the same that indeed has afflicted me what? Ashaitanu what has afflicted me? Shaitan and that he's afflicted me with nusbin, with a, a with with the difficulty and adab, with the extreme pain. Allahu Akbar. So now we learn a new thing: that shaitan was the cause of this difficulty. Shaitan was the cause of his difficulty. And that his family, that he lost his family. Right? Because that, that, that part is coming again. Uh, Allah Ta'ala gives him, sends him a cure, guides him towards a cure and then restores his family to him. Alright? So nusb here, the word nusb. The word nusb here means an extreme fatigue. That one experiences after hard labor. So he's basically the pain, the adab that he's been in for so long has fatigued him. He's totally drained from this test. So Allah Ta'ala then answers his dua immediately through practical guidance. And that is verses 42 where Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him to strike his feet on the ground and then cold water will gush forth for him to bathe in and to drink. And then the next ayah, 43, is the same as what we did before. Sight difference. And we bestowed upon him his family and the likeness thereof. Rahmatam minna as a mercy, love, and compassion. There it was what? Here it's what? As a dhikra, as a reminder, as something to take heed from, as a remembrance. For those who are the people of lub, the people of profound understanding. 
Okay, so there's a nisbat here then between abidin and ulul albab, between ibadah and understanding. The, so there's one type of understanding that you get through rational study, through your akal and through ilm. And there's another type of understanding, listen carefully, that you get through ibadah. Dhikr al-abideen over there, dhikr al-albab here. There's a particular type of insight and understanding that a person gets through ibadah. Those people who get an understanding through akal, they're those who do yaqilun, who, who rationalize. Those people get understanding through ilm, they're called in Quran ulama. And those who get an understanding through ibadah, they're ulul albab. Right? And then at the end of 44, the second part of 34, Allah Ta'ala then beautifully uh, sort of celebrates Nabi Ayyub salam and says, Inna wajadnahu sabira. And indeed, Allah Ta'ala says that I and my might and my grace and my knowledge found him, in Nabi Ayyub salam, to be sabira, to be patient. Ne'mal abd, to be, whoa, what a wonderful, fine, great abd slave. Innahu awab. Indeed, he was certainly a penitent and turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout. Right? These were the two du'as of Nabi Ayyub alayhi salam. So this means that we must do sabr and we must do ibadah and then it will help us to understand and then we will turn to Allah ta'ala in du'a and inshallah Allah will remove that affliction and calamity that has befallen us. We will do sabr, we will do ibadah and then shall we will understand and Allah will remove the fitna and difficulty and calamity that is upon us. And finally for tonight, the last du'a is the du'a of Nabi uh, Yunus alayhi salam. That is also in Surah Al-Anbiya, Surah number 21, verse number 87. Where Allah subhanahu wa says and you know and this story has also been mentioned in Surah Yunus and the story of Sayyidina Yusuf has also been mentioned in Surah Safat and Surah Noon uh, and you will remember the story of Nabi Yunus salam, that he was preaching to his people and then he ultimately left them and then he was swallowed by a whale and remained alive in the stomach of the whale and he made this famous dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So, with the Nuni, so this is another uh, uh, the way of appellation uh, of the name of Yunus salam, so the being of the whale when he left his community in a state of anger with them because he thought and estimated that they would not be qadir over him for him they were not going to truly value him and appreciate him and accept uh, iman Fanada Fidulomati and then this is referring to the point when he was inside the belly of the whale. So he called out to Allah Ta'ala Fidulomat. So the Lamat here means layers and layers of darkness. So it's important to understand number one that this literally physically happened. Okay? 
that Nebi Yunus was literally physically swallowed. I don't know if it was a sperm whale, great blue whale, one of those massive whales, right? But he was literally physically inside the belly of a whale. Now you can imagine that there's absolutely no light whatsoever, right? And so one is the physical darkness. Second is the darkness or inescapability, so to speak, of the situation, right? So and remember Zunun, yani Sayyidina Yunus alayhi salam. So Zunun is just another name of Yunus alayhi salam. But I told you the word Nun can also mean large fish and whale. So Zunun means the man of the whale, the person of the whale, yani Nabi Yunus alayhi salam. Okay. Now, uh, so I sorry. So a second aspect of the darkness. Why, why darkness is used plural hezulamat is the inescapability of the situation. There's no hope. There's no way out. There's a bleak outlook. The outlook is completely bleak and dark. Alright? Third aspect of the darkness is you kind of got yourself in this situation yourself. Right? Which is different than, okay, an illness has come on me, or somebody has enmity towards me, so you feel some others have enmity towards him, therefore he's in jail. Ayub alayhi salam, shaitan cast this fatigue, punishment, illness on him, it's due to an other. Right? But this is another intense sort of, you know, feeling of hopelessness when you find yourself in a predicament that you caused yourself. So these are all reasons and ways why, why this word is used in the plural zulamat. Okay, so when in the state of zulamat, what is the dua? And I'm calling it a dua, technically it's a statement, but he was, why did I call it a dua? Because fanada, fanada, he called out. He called out to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what was his call? It was just an Allah ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu minadolimin. Hmm? That there is no deity, no God except for you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means he's asserting and affirming his tawheed. So understand when he's saying this, it's not for the word for word meaning. It's from the depth of his heart he's expressing the greatest thing he can express to Allah Ta'ala. The greatest feeling any human being can have to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is Tawheed. Is the oneness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And this is the ultimate act of humility and submission. And that's why Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that of the dhikri la ilaha illallah that the best dhikr of any sentence a person could say on their tongue is to say la ilaha illallah. Alright? Second, Tasbih subhanaka. Subhanaka means you are glorified and you are perfect and pure and immaculate and transcendent and beyond. Needing me to be your Nabi. Needing me to have guided the people beyond my uh, having, uh, you know, thought that the people would not value me and they would never accept Iman. Inni kuntu min So again here, anta, la ilaha illa anta, that you, you are la ilaha illallah, you are one and only. And inni and me, kuntu min mean I'm from the ones who made a mistake. I'm from the ones who have wronged their own selves. So this is the statement of Nabi Yunus salam, and you would know that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in hadith that anyone of the ummah who makes this dua surely in a, in a difficult time Allah Ta'ala will grant them relief and take them out of that difficult time. And again here you have as we showed you before in not 
technically all, but in most of those of the Anbiya and Quran, the answer comes immediately. فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ وَنَجَيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْغَمْ And Allah says, and we answered and replied to his call and acceptance, and we rescued him and delivered him مِنَ الْغَمْ from his distress, from his sorrow. So that's the zulamat, the hopelessness, the bleakness of the situation. We rescued him from that, from the distress and despondency. وَكَذَلِكَ Nunjil mu'minin. So the same thing like the Prophet said that if you make this dua, Allah will accept it. Allah Ta'ala Himself is saying in Quran Al-Kareem that in thus, in a like and similar, in exactly the same fashion and manner, will we rescue and emancipate the believers. Alright? So this was the notion that the believers uh, in certain situations when they were being oppressed by the disbelievers, they found themselves in zulamat, surrounded by enmity and calamity. Right? But that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take a person out. So this is a very important dua. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntum min And we should generally recite it as much as we can, but especially in the month of Ramadan. And it's not about the number of times that we recite it, but we should try to recite it with feeling and with understanding and by making it the heartfelt expression uh, of what we feel and want to say and profess in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala accept us to make all of these duas and grant us the feelings that were in the hearts of the Anbiya when they made these du'as wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen